Welcome to the Core Extra Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Steve. We are two boomers with two mics that accidentally and occasionally make sense. We discuss paranormal mysteries and unexplained events. And if you want to reach us to stay on top of things, what we're going to talk about, you can reach us on Twitter at Core underscore Extra, Instagram at Core Extra Media, and TikTok at Core Extra Media. We hope you enjoy this upcoming episode. Let's get right into it. This is Steve. We don't have Kurt with us today. Welcome to another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. Today, um, I just wanted to say that I really enjoy when Kurt and I go to Vegas. We go there once a year. And they have, this is the reason I brought this story up. They have the Mob Museum. If you haven't been to the Mob Museum, it's fantastic. But uh, it just covers the mafia and everything from the inception all the way up till today. Um, But it's in the old, um, what is it? It's the old uh, courthouse. And it's like right behind the El Cortez, which is the greatest place to stay. Stay if you are in Vegas, the El Cortez. Don't pass on that downtown Fremont Street. But when I was in the Mob Museum, they have an actual piece of the St. Valentine's Day garage massacre, where the massacre took place. So I thought that was kind of cool. So I, I found a story about paranormal with the St. Valentine's Day massacre. So I thought I'd read it to you. What this is, is the ghost of the St. Valentine's Day massacre. I'm going to read it to you because it's about it's easier. After Chicago gangsters lured their rivals into an ambush, they thought they enjoyed the last laugh. What they had to consider was the existence of another syndicate, one from the other side. See, that was a great setup, too. During the Roaring Twenties, Al Scarface Capone, everybody knows who he is, ruled Chicago, be it gambling, prostitution, bootleg whiskey, or anything else illegal or immoral, Capone and his gangsters controlled it. Almost no one, including the police, dared to stand up to Capone and his men because resistance certainly meant winding up on the wrong end of a gun. Still, one man was determined to dethrone Capone. His name was George Bugs Moran. Moran and his Northside gang had been slowly muscling their way into Chicago in an attempt to force Capone and his men out. As 1929 began, rumors indicated that Capone was planning to take care of Moran. As the days turned into weeks and nothing happened, Moran and his men began to relax and let their guard down. That would prove to be their fatal mistake. So if you understand Capone, he ran the entire city. He had everybody on his payroll from police, judges, even councilmen, everyone. But Bugs Moran decided, I'm going to try to get some of this action. On February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1929, six members of the Northside Gang, which is Moran's, gathered inside the SMC Carriage Company 
at 2122 North Clark Street. With them was mechanic John May, who was not a member of the gang, but had been hired to do work as a member on one of the guy's cars. May had brought along his dog, I don't know what this has to do with, a highball, and tied him to the bumper of the car while he worked. At approximately 10.30 a.m., two cars parked in front of the Clark Street entrance of the building. Four men, two dressed as police officers, and two in street clothes got out and walked into the warehouse. So I guess Moran's men didn't have the police or this section of town under their control or what had happened next wouldn't have taken place. Once the men were inside, it is believed they announced that the warehouse was being raided and ordered everyone to line up facing the back wall. Believing that the uniformed men were indeed police officers, all Moran's men, along with John May, did the mechanic, did as they were told. Suddenly the supposed raiders began shooting in a hail of shotgun fire and more than 70 submachine gun rounds. The seven men were brutally murdered. After the slaughter was over, the two men in street clothes calmly walked out of the building with their hands up, followed by two men dressed as police officers. To everyone nearby, it appeared as though the shootout had occurred and that the police had arrived and arrested two men. I'd never heard that part of the story. I always wondered how they got out. So they made it look like the police came in, arrested them, and took them out. Minutes later, neighbors called police after hearing strange howls coming from inside the building. When the real police arrived, they found all seven men mortally wounded. One of the men, Frank Gusenberg, lingered long enough to respond to one question. When authorities asked who shot him, he said, long pause, nobody shot me. The only survivor of the melee was the highball, the dog. That's where the dog comes in play. When word of the massacre hit the newswire, uh, by the way, nobody shot me. In other words, he's a true old school guy. You never rat. When word of the massacre hit the newswire, everyone suspected that Capone had something to do with it. Although Capone swore that he wasn't involved, most people felt he had orchestrated the whole thing as a way to get rid of Moran and several of his key men. There was only one problem. Bugs Moran wasn't in the warehouse at the time of the shooting. Why he wasn't there is not clear, but he was supposed to be there. But one thing is certain. February 14, 1929, Valentine's Day was Bugs Moran's lucky day. So they tried to get Bugs Moran thinking, I suppose, that he was there and took out everybody that was there. And obviously, I guess his gang is still going at this time. Police were unable to pin anything related to the crime on Capone. Well, that's obvious. Although they did change two of, charge two of his gunmen. John Shalise and Jack, ready for this? Machine Gun McGurn with the murders. Shalise never saw the inside of the courthouse. He was murdered before his trial began. And charges against McGunn were eventually dropped. 
However, he was murdered seven years later on, are you ready for this, Valentine's Day in what appeared to be a retaliation for the 1929 massacre. Publicity Al Capone, oh, I'm sorry, publicly Al Capone may have denied any wrongdoing, but it appears that the truth literally haunted him until his dying day. In May 1929, Capone was incarcerated at Philadelphia's Eastern State Prison, serving one year for a weapons charge. Such a span was considered easy time by gangster standards, but Capone's time inside would be anything but easy. Haunted by the ghost of James Clark, who was killed in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, Capone was often heard begging Jimmy to leave him alone. Now, I'm not sure if it's this time or later on when he's sent away for life, but Capone did have VD. So, I'm sure that this is messing with his brain. But, maybe Jimmy was there. Maybe Jimmy Clark came and haunted him. The torment continued even after Capone was released. One day, Capone's valet, great name, Jaime Cornish, saw an unfamiliar man in Capone's apartment. When he ordered the man to identify himself, the mysterious figure slipped behind a curtain and vanished. Capone insisted that Cornish, like himself, had seen the ghost of Clark. Some say Clark didn't rest until Capone passed away on January 25th. 1947. So Capone is haunted by the guy who is the mechanic who shouldn't have been there, who I guess you can't weed him out. You had to take everybody out or somebody's going to talk. Over the years, the warehouse in which the St. Valentine's Day Massacre took place transferred into a morbid tourist attraction. As curiosity seekers felt compelled to see the site for themselves. When the building was demolished in 1967, the wall against which the seven doomed men stood was dismantled brick by brick and sold at auction. I wonder if this is the wall that's in the um, Mob Museum. Well, read ahead and you'll find out, Steve. An enterprising Businessmen purchased the bricks and eventually sold each one, but many of them were returned soon after. According to unhappy customers, their luck took a mass a nosedive after they purchased the ghoulish souvenirs. Illness, financial ruin, divorce, and even death caused frightened owners to believe that the bricks were cursed. Well, I can tell you this. When me and Kurt were in Vegas, and we went to the Mob Museum, and then we went back to the El Cortez, which is one of the best hotels in Vegas, we dropped about a thousand bucks. So it probably was cursed for us going there looking at it. As for the infamous massacre site, nothing much is left there today. A nursing home owns the land and has left the area vacant, save for the parking lot and for a few trees. Some people have reported hearing gunfire and screams as they pass by the site. Now, we try to not make light of this, 
but it's Chicago. I mean, the crime rate is pretty high there. I'm assuming you could hear gunshots anywhere in Chicago. They pass by the site, and people walking their dogs near the lot claim their furry friends pull on their leashes and try to get away from the area. Well, animals do sense that more than people. Perhaps they sense the ghostly remnants of the bloody slaughter that took place so many years ago. I enjoy mob history, and I remember reading this story. I did not know anything else about the ghostly stuff or presence or people being scared, but I remember when we were in the mob museum and we went down to where the the, uh, wall was, and I don't know how they reassembled the wall or if they bought a piece, but it actually had a sign, this is the original uh, wall from, or one of the walls from the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Kirk got real scared. And, you know, he can sense that stuff. So, I'm going to take his word for it. He's one of those guys that can understand and feel that stuff. So I'm taking his word for it. Anyway, I've got a lot more stories. So that's Steve. This is another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. Take care, everybody. You just listened to the latest episode of the Core Extra Podcast hosted by Kurt and Steve. And so you don't miss the next episode, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We would really appreciate it. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and review. We love to hear the feedback from our listeners. And if you know anyone that would be interested in our content, recommend us. Family, friends, coworkers, everybody is welcome. Thanks again for listening to the Core Extra Podcast. Thank you.